Welcome to the Rebel's Edge, folks. Today, we're going to talk about Netflix again, and not just TKO this time. More on the Rebel's Edge. Bang. <laughs> you guys are in Puerto Rico, John. How is that thing? We'll just hit that real quick just to see what's going on. Is it busy? Right. Is it, yeah. There you can you can scan that, folks. That's uh, the uh, QR code for the conference I'm at down here in Puerto Rico. Uh, I think 80 different companies uh, basically presenting, Pete. Nice. And, uh, yeah, and a lot of investors. This is the second annual Sequire conference in Puerto Rico. And uh, it's a pretty good time. A lot of good folks. And the, the great part is uh, th this ends and then you go to another one and another one. <laughs> another and one. another one and another one. And then Atlantic City, Pete. Nah. <laughs> I mean, so, what the hell? Why not? Yeah. <laughs> I am so enthused about uh, doing that much traveling. But and a lot of people asking me, they go, hey, is he mostly private or, or is he on commercial? I said, oh, it's all private. There's no way the guy could get everywhere where he's got to go. I mean, holy crap. Are you kidding me? <laughs> well, and you know who's down here, Pete? Let me see. Bryce Huff, uh, linebacker for the Jets. Yep. Um, Willie Galt, oh, uh, you know, all-time yeah. great for the Bears and obviously world-class sprinter. Yeah, better uh, track than football, probably. <laughs> to be honest. <laughs> sorry. Sorry. We might be watching. You never know. <laughs> but he's a bear, so I love him. Yep. Um, anyway, folks, welcome to the Rebel's Edge. He, right there, is Pete Nigerian. I am John Nigerian. Jared Wankman is handling all of the sounds, visuals, tickers, everything else that you see. If you'd ever like to get our free book, It's Not an Option, well, by all means do. In fact, Pete, Yesterday, you held one up. Yeah. Today, I'm signing, uh, whatever, 400 more of these today oh. down here in Puerto Rico. Yeah, that's uh, that'll be great. I'll tell you what, people, I've, every piece of feedback I have seen, John, has been outstanding. So we're very pleased, obviously, about that. And credit to the guys, the, everybody involved, quite honestly. But uh, amazing and pretty excited about what's going on. Yeah, and Pete and I will be filming more commercials. <laughs> Not more <laughs> in in Miami. Oh yeah, more. Uh, in fact, we're we're filming from like nine to three, Pete, on Friday. I mean, holy crap! Uh, but anyway, <laughs> let's hope we can tweak that just a little bit, John. <laughs> yeah, let's hope because Pete's got some uh, important charity work to do. Yeah. Because a, a charity event that he's involved with, uh, where people have bid as much as what, Pete? What's the record? 170? Oh, no, no. For an item? Oh, not even. No, oh. for you. For you. Oh, for me. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I, I'm on the low end. But, yeah, I've been I've been bid off on multiple occasions at this uh, particular thing. And, yeah, I think that most I've gotten for me was 190. Uh, uh, the least was ninety thousand dollars, folks. Spend a week with me in New York and hang around and do this and do that and go to Fox Biz or whatever. And you know, it's fun. You know, the NYSE, the NASDAQ, yeah. the whole spiel. It's worth I, it, John. I'm <laughs> not gonna afford it. 
<laughs> I mean, shoot, Pete, that's like seven private jet flights. <laughs> yes, it is. <laughs> All right. Let's dive into the macro minute, Pete. Um, the market seems to be okay. Uh, I just listened to Peter Schiff down here at this conference. And uh, if you would listen to Peter Schiff, you might be slitting your wrists and uh, getting ready for, <laughs> for for the afterlife, Pete. But uh, uh, apparently the economy is still good enough uh, that stocks aren't falling apart. Yeah, stocks aren't falling apart. And it, we're, we're waiting for one big uh, data, uh, the Fed, their favorite inflation data, right? PCE. We get that. I think it's tomorrow, John. That ought to be pretty interesting because you know, we always are trying to gauge what things are and what's the most important thing. And we've been told many, many times, this is the Fed's favorite in terms of inflation and trying to read through it all. So once we get that, we'll know a little bit more. But I can tell you this, we're, we're probably in better shape than what's going on. And China's had to make some moves, but some of those moves are sort of, sort of paying off as well. And I know we'll talk about that. Yeah, China's definitely throwing a lot of stimulus at the market. Yep. because they stayed locked up for way too long, Pete. But we can get to it. Uh, NASDAQ's up a little over 1%. Dow Jones is only up about, what, three-tenths of a percent, Pete. Mm -hmm. But uh, when I look around, I'm going to say the miners have been somewhat volatile. They opened and went higher, and then they came down. But we'll have a mining stock to talk about in Fantastic Futures. Fantastic Futures. Is still holding over 2017. I love gold. Oh, <laughs> yes, we all love gold. I get it, gold member. <laughs> but uh, um, yeah, Pete, I think we're going to hear a lot more about miners of all sorts of uh, precious metals and uh, strategic metals like lithium and things like that. But what do you got for fantastic futures? Yeah, John, I'm going to jump right back to volatility. We've been talking about nat gas. We've been talking about a lot of different things, obviously. And every day there's something sort of new that stands out. And for me, it's volatility. Now, if you just go back a week ago and you look at the volatility index, we were right close to that 1550 mark. Well, where are we today? Well, we're not in the 14s. We're not in the 13s. But we are in the 12s. And we're sitting at about 1250. So that's a pretty dramatic move in a very short period of time. And that gives people opportunities to do a lot of different things. And we've seen some of that today in the options world where we're seeing some roles actually occur in big, monstrous ETFs, like, for instance, uh, in, in some, of the, some of the biggest of them all, as a matter of fact, when you, when you look at the, the whole scheme of things, monstrous in SPY, monstrous in some of the other ETFs, monstrous along with a lot of the Chinese ETFs. And why is that? Well, a lot of people are trying to game it and try to time it out and get it when the volatility is a little bit lower. And that's exactly where we are after the last week or so down here in the 12 and a half range for the volatility index. Yeah, obviously when we do rally, uh, nine times out of 10, we're gonna see uh, the volatility ease back. Mm -hmm. uh, and when we fall, especially if we fall fast, volatility jumps quicker yeah. to the upside. All right, let's talk about DuPont, Pete, because they talked about what Pete opened the show with, folks, which is slow sales and weakness in China. And so they disclosed that, and the street did not like it one little bit, Pete. The average estimate uh, on Wall Street was a little over $3 billion for first quarter sales, and they're going to come in well under that. 
And then you look at, you know, earnings, EPS, earnings per share. They were looking for 88 cents. Well, that's what the street was looking for. Now they're saying, eh, we might be able to put up a 65 cent, but nowhere near 88, Pete. <laughs> yeah, which is not good, obviously, because the stock's down, what, 10, 11, 12 percent, whatever that number is. It's getting hammered pretty good today, John. It's far closer to that 52-week low than it is the 52-week high, that's for sure. They got a great balance sheet, but the word that stood out for me when we were looking at this name and trying to figure out why it's getting beat up, when you use the expression inventory destocking, that's not good. <laughs> I can tell you that right now. And that word alone, I think, was probably worth about hmm, maybe 8 or 10% of that 11 or 12% drop that it's making today. That's a problem. You, know, we, you and I talk about this all the time, but slowing sales, not a good forecast. And unfortunately for DuPont right now, they're being honest and they're telling it like it is and their sales are slowing. Yeah. And remember what we said yesterday, folks, about 3M. You've got a heck of a lot of companies that sell mass quantities. Some of it goes to consumers. I get it. Like 3M's products, Scotch brand tape, for instance, uh, uh, you know, duct tape, all kinds of things in the medical device or me medical space, not medical devices necessarily. But uh, now you've got DuPont saying the same thing, weak demand. Uh, that is one of the reasons why I think uh, the former president, number 45, Pete, might be uh, picking up in the polls again because people aren't feeling that this is the greatest economy on earth, uh, even though the markets have kept going up. But a lot of the biggest companies in the industrial side of the market are not going up. All right, Pete, one of your favorite guys, a D-tackle from the U, University of Miami. Um, of course, he uh, would be Dwayne The Rock Johnson. And Dwayne was ringing the bell at the New York Stock Exchange. Let's watch him and then we'll tie it in. <laughs> you know, there's a couple of wrestlers in that group right there too, John. <laughs> yeah, there are. And uh, this was an interesting one, Pete, because they wanted Dwayne The Rock Johnson so bad that not to ring the bell alone, but to be on the board of TKO, publicly traded company that has both the UFC and uh, the uh, WWE. And because of that, um, they they offered him 30 million bucks, said, hey, if you'll come onto the board, we'll give you 30 million bucks. We will give you your name back because technically, Pete, The Rock, that name was branded with the WWE. And as you know, um, Vince McMahon was smart enough to basically register all of those as intellectual property of the WWE. Now Dwayne has it back, and the trade-out for him is, okay, you're on the board of TKO, and as we said yesterday, TKO and Netflix, wow, what a combination. It's a great combination. The revenue there that at Netflix is absolutely outrageous, John. It's up 12.5% 12, 12 year over year. That's a big number. It's they beat what they were looking for with $8.8 .8 It was a little bit of a beat, not a huge beat. If you look at what they did from an ads standpoint, they added $13 million. And the year before, they added a little over $7.5 Everything seems to be moving in the right direction right now for Netflix. That's great. You look at the free cash, John. That's something you and I like to do a lot, is when we're trying to break down these companies and looking – at, at how they are fundamentally. And I see a free cash flow of, wait a minute, what? $19.4 billion? 
Um, This is a company that just yesterday we were talking about that $5 billion buy, right? And now all of a sudden I'm looking at the free cash flow. I took a little bit longer look at everything about Netflix. This is a well-oiled machine. A lot of people gave up on it. They foolishly did that. The streaming has been a hit. You look at the PE, even though it's hitting 52-week highs, John, the PE is a 30 right now. I think that's actually probably reasonable, and that's why this stock is not only hitting 52-week highs, but pressing up and potentially could go a lot higher. I I agree. Um, And live sports is a big deal. That's how TKO plays into this, folks. But they've got 260 million subscribers worldwide, Pete. Um, Keep an eye eye on the stock and keep in mind that there are 8 billion-plus people on the planet. That would be 3 billion. This would be 8 billion people. So... Are they, uh, is it uh, oversaturated? Absolutely not. They can still grow, and I bet they do, Pete, especially with the ad-supported versions of Netflix that are proving to be pretty popular. All right, let's talk about Snowflake, S-N-O-W. Well, they uh, basically sell data analytics software that runs on cloud computing platforms. Well, Take a look at this, Pete. We had some unusual activity. And in fact, Pete sent me this yesterday and I used it on 3 at 3, which is a show that I do um, every day at 3 p.m. Eastern time. There it is, 123 snow, bullish call buying stocks 203. Then take a look at the stock today. Pre-market, 212.50, traded to 214 in the pre, Pete. Not bad. Um, because that's better than a $10 rally. But just think, would you want to put up $210,000, because that's what a 1,000 shares of a $210 stock would be. Do you want to put that up? Or do you want to put up what we had on that screen back there for, you know, buying calls? Uh, You know, you're putting up, what, $2.33, which means $233 each. I think that's the smarter play, Pete. You're defining your risk. And today, bang, you see a big pop out of the stock. And that's exactly why we trade options. It's why we talk about it all the time. It's why we write these books and so forth so people can have an understanding because leverage means a lot. And if you don't think that it's important, well, then maybe you want to look at a guy like Warren Buffett, who might be the largest option trader in the world, despite the fact that he calls it weapons of mass destruction. Nonetheless, It is the right place to be. We know there's incredible growth. Shoot, John, just last week or earlier this week, I think it was Monday, traded 61 million contracts. So, you know, this is the place to be. And I would say this about Snow. It gave you the opportunity on a very difficult stock for most people to be able to buy any kind of a chunk. You at least get the opportunity through the options. That's why we like them so much. But yes, they were the the right direction. 52-week highs for this name. Could they go higher? They absolutely could. You look at the balance sheet of this company, John, it is pristine and they don't have debt and they do have incredible free cash flow, nearly a billion dollars. So there's a lot of different marks where you go, check, 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 check. This thing is doing pretty well. (laughs) And folks, you can get this book. It's not an option. Um, That's the website to go to also. It's not an option.com. You'll get this book. You know, this isn't like a pamphlet. This is a, what is it, Pete? 245 pages. Um, It's our fourth book together, folks. You can get it if you go to itsnotanoption.com and you could start trading like us. All right, Pete, let's just quickly touch on um, Freeport. 
uh, because they are a miners. So that's one of the reasons that, you know, when I said at the top of the show, miners are hot. Well, copper prices on London, three-week high. The London uh, Metals Exchange also seeing aluminum up strong again today. So FCX and a bunch of the miners, Pete, have been sort of lifting in the last few days. And a lot of that, some people at least are contributing that, John, to uh, the, the the China stimulus and, and that as well, and just lifting this stock up. 5% move for Freeport Mac. This isn't a name, folks, that does that very often. It moves for sure. Absolutely it does. But, uh, you know, these miners are generally, they, they move a little bit slower. They certainly don't usually move like a tech stock or something like that. But, you know, you get a day like today where you get a nice move of 5% to the upside, it, it does make a lot of sense because of the fact of where they are and how they're positioned in there, if not the biggest, one of the biggest coppers uh, producers in the world. So they do an incredible job with the mining. This is a nice move to the upside. Can it last a little bit longer? Sure it can. As a matter of fact, I would expect it to continue on at least for a while. And, you know, there are certain names out there. You wouldn't have to be just in Freeport. There are multiple other names. I'm not going to go through the list, but the, the copper space is a space where I think a lot of people really need to understand a little bit more. Everybody knows gold. Everybody knows silver. Sometimes they talk about all these other things, but copper is a big deal. And Freeport Mac is the king. Absolutely. Well, um, let's hit some sports real quick, Pete, uh, before we wind up the Rebel's Edge. Let's do it. And and I, I wanted to hit the business of sports today a little bit, John. And here's what I mean by that. Did you see the ratings this weekend for the NFL? I mean, we'll start off with this one. Chiefs Bills. They broke the records. And by the way, year-over-year year viewers for NFL was only up 7% this year. Hit another new record, John. They averaged 40 million viewers. So... You look wow. over and you and you look at in the in the divisional playoffs, but the Chiefs Bills. How about that? Fifty million people on average were watching that game, and I say on average because the, it does move around, of course. And you know there are times where you peak out, and and times where it's what is the average. The average for the Detroit Tampa about forty million. They did peak up at forty nine million, but forty million was the average there. 31.8 million for the Houston Baltimore game. Baltimore kind of ran them off the field. So that that ended up being a, a less watched game. The average there was 31.8 million, John. It peaked out at 36. But the 49ers Packers got right back up there, 37.5 million. I'm going to tell you this. I'll go with the prediction right now. The Chiefs Baltimore will break the record that was just set of 50 million average by the Chiefs Bills because people love the Chiefs. They love Mahomes. They, they like Kelsey. I mean, you go through the list. What what else? What do you not? And then you look at Baltimore, you got Lamar Jackson, who's electric. He is the Michael Jordan of, I, in my opinion, of the NFL. I mean, the guy is, he's amazing, John. He plays all the time. He plays hurt. He represented himself for his contract. He's arguably the best two you know, two-way quarterback there is. The guy does it with his legs. He leads the team. He does it with his arm. He's right there with the very best. And the guy's basically the MVP of the league. So I think that one's going to have some unbelievable numbers. The Niners in Detroit, if it can stay close, they'll have some good numbers. If one of them, and I'm leaning more towards San Francisco, one of them kind of starts moving and doing a little bit too well and starts to maybe blow out the other, then I think they their average won't be up there. But that Baltimore Chiefs, I think people will watch it start to finish no matter what. Pete, what about Debo Samuel? Is yeah. Debo going to play? Yeah. 
That's a tough one, John, because everybody's talking about that. They've already reduced what the injury was originally called, and they've 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 kind of quieted that down a little bit. But if you're San Francisco, do you want to get him any? You want to get him hurt? Do you want to risk him for future on this particular game? If he can play, I say yes. But if he's even borderline, John, and they say, you know what, they're, they're, he's just not able to be himself and everything else. If he can't do that, I think they would be smart to say, you know what, we, we're just going to have to go without him. We've got a lot of different targets out there. I mean, you've got McCaffrey. You've got your tight end, Kittle. You've got a lot of other wide receivers who are pretty damn good. And, of course, you've got Purdy out there who does a pretty good job of kind of running around and, and, and flinging the ball once in a while, too. Although he was a little bit less accurate last week than he's been. But nonetheless, the guy's still one of the better quarterbacks probably in the NFL. Yeah, these aren't the games where you expect quarterbacks to go for 400, 500 yards, Pete, because they're now you're in the in the uh, um, AFC and NFC championship games. Uh, you're going against the best of the best. Um, you know, you don't get there if you're not the best of the best. So you, you're, you don't expect to see, like I say, 400 yards, 500 yards, in these games, um, you expect that the defenses will play tough. It's not going to be a 13 to 17 game, I don't think, but uh, it's also not going to likely be like, a, you know, a 35, 42 game either. Um, I'd say, Pete, the Ravens lost their tight end, Mark Andrews, and he had to have surgery. Debo Samuel um, availability sort of up in the air. If he doesn't play, Pete, I think, uh, Detroit has a much better chance. I'm not the only one to say that, of course, but I think that you you then have a group of great wide receivers, but not a standout that needs double cover um, like Debo does. And Debo does more than just catch passes too. So if he can't play Pete, then I'm a little, uh, I, I move up the odds on Detroit, even though they're still a dog. Totally agree with you, John. That's a great point because of the fact of what Debo can do. He's not just a receiver. He's also a running back. He can. The guy is very much like McCaffrey where he can do anything. He can play almost any position. I mean, it's amazing to have one guy like that. They've got two at San Francisco that are like that. So always amazing. And uh, Debo, you can't say enough about him. Guy's absolutely incredible. So you, you hope that he can play just for the team, just to be one-on-one -on -one and do the, the regular thing. But, uh, you know, it depends on that injury, of course. All right, John, how about this? A little college football for you. So who's the winner right now when it comes to the portal? And who is the biggest loser? The winner right now is Ole Miss. And great coach. I'll tell you what, fun guy. He's very quotable. People like to be around him. Lane Kiffin is just a great guy. And He's proving to be a great recruiter all of a sudden too, John, under the circumstances, right? I mean, he's he can kind of do it all. You've got him, then you've got Texas A&M, Florida State, Louisville, Oregon. That's your top group in terms of the portal. But I've got a more interesting side to this whole thing. Who's the biggest loser? Turns out to be Alabama. Why is that? Well, Nick Saban has walked away. Everybody knows that's part of the story. They've got a great coach coming in. A lot of people like him. They think he can do well. But the players who were recruited wanted to play for Nick Saban, and Nick Saban's not there. So a lot of these guys are saying, well, I'm going to go in the portal, and I'm going to check it out. How about this, John? They lost a five-star safety to Ohio State, a five-star offensive tackle who's from Iowa, going back to Iowa after one year down 
down there. He's only 6'8", 360 pounds, but, you know, who needs him? Sounds like an <laughs> Iowa Hawkeye to me. You've got a wide receiver going to Texas, who is now in the SEC. You've got a quarterback going to Ohio State. These are all five-star guys, by the way. you got a four-star corner going to Texas A&M and a four-star tight end, who's a big stud from Clearwater, Florida, just up the street from me here. He's going to Texas also. So you look at Bama and you start going, well, wait a minute now. you got a new coach. Obviously, it's still Alabama no matter what. But he's losing a lot of guys, John, and I think it's gonna, it will be a factor when it comes to this year for Alabama football, in my opinion, especially looking at what Texas is doing, what maybe you know Texas A&M is doing, what some of these schools are doing, uh, and grabbing these guys, including Ohio State. I know they're in different conferences, but at some point, there's a good likelihood that they could match up against each other. I think it's really, really tough to be the coach to follow up one of these legends like this and and keep those players in the world of free agency, a.k.a. Uh, the portal. What do you think? Well, um, you, you asked, Pete, who's the biggest loser? Um, two big losers, Alabama fans and Kalen DeBoer. Kalen DeBoer, as you know, Pete, because you've talked about him and his uh, great legacy that he left at Washington after three years. Three years is all, but he built them into a solid team and a real winner. Um, and he was what ninety-five and eleven for a team that hadn't been uh, what Washington had been in its glory days for a long time. Um, so I'd say Kalen DeBoer is one of the biggest losers, Pete. Um, it's a huge challenge because, like you said, just because you're a five-star recruit doesn't mean that you're a number one pick in the NFL but it means people thought that you were good enough that you could be. Um, and so now Alabama losing all those players that you talked about, Pete, that makes it a really tough deal. We'll see what kind of coach Kalen DeBoer is. And I know he's a good coach, Pete. Hmm. Not worried about that. But we all know that coaches coach and players play. So he's going to have them disciplined. He's going to have them ready for his kind of offense that he runs. Um, but – uh, he's not going to have the same sort of breakaway guys that he had like Rome up in Washington and all that, because one of them just transferred. So, and a quarterback that was going to chuck him the ball transferred too. So it's a real challenge and I am going to be uh, rooting for him, but I think he's fighting an uphill battle. And uh, I tell you what, he can't afford not to get some great signings done. Uh, and or even some additional transfers. Yeah, and I think he will. I think he's gone to the portal himself. He's had a couple of players follow him from Washington to Alabama, which is expected. That's just the way it is. They like the coach. That's why they pick the school a lot of the time. So, yeah, it's going to be interesting. It's just it's going to be tough. I mean, you lose that many five-star guys, and, you know, it, it, it makes it difficult. Plus the guys who are already going to the NFL anyway – so you've lost a lot of different players on that team. It's going to look a lot different, but he's a hell of a coach. That's why they hired him in the first place. They paid him a lot of money. He's going to do just fine, I think, down there. But it's going to be a little bit more of a challenge against Georgia and against the rest of the SEC for sure. Yeah. Well, folks, thanks for joining us. Remember, you can get this book. It's not an option. It's not an option is the title because Pete and I say it is not an option for you to not trade options. You need to understand them. You don't have to trade it every day. You don't have to trade the dailies or the weeklies or even the monthlies, but you got to understand how they work, how they can 
let you control your risk and get a leveraged return, it's all in this book. It's not an option.com. That's it's not an option.com. I hope you join us at 1 p.m. Eastern time tomorrow for more Rebel's Edge. We'll see you then.